Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favourite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash irish-tech-news. Hello, I'm your host, Effie Pilarino, and today I'm connecting with California with Sonia Dreisler. Welcome, Sonia. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, I, I reached out to, to connect with you because I saw the work that you're doing in um, uh, bringing more women in the financial world. Uh, putting the spotlight on them and and you have a very special unique way of of doing that through your company choir is that yes. the right pronunciation mm-hmm. right you'll be telling us uh, about your company but first tell us a little bit about your background i know that you come from wealth management financial services um i saw that you um, were part of um, Protected Investors America. What what was that all about? What kind of work uh, have you done? Yeah, so my background, I've been in the financial services space for about 20 years, and I'll give you the very short version of those 20 years. So uh, I started, um, I was not interested in um anything finance related, but needed a job and took a role as an executive assistant to the CEO of a broker dealer and RIA. And uh, I learned a lot on the job and my um, boss had a lot of faith in my abilities and gave me a lot to um, a lot of new things to learn every so every so often and had an open door policy so I could ask her questions and so learned on the job and did um learned a lot about finance did pretty well and so she ended up moving me to different departments and um I did a variety of different roles at the at the broker dealer and RIA after after being an executive assistant and after some years ended up as our chief operating officer I did that for about five years and then um, when the CEO role opened up unexpectedly, I threw my hat in the ring and was uh, uh, during the board search process and um, and eventually was selected for that. So I went from being the executive assistant to the CEO to the CEO herself. Uh, of course, that took a long time and it was not a straight it, not a straight route, but we don't have time for all of that here on this conversation. And anyway, what I'd love to talk about more is what came after that. So in 2016, we sold that company and I started doing some consulting. We had a big um, a presence in the socially responsible investing, impact investing, what's now kind of lumped into the book what most people call ESG space. And so I had quite a bit of expertise in that 
before it was as hip as it is now and, yeah, and yeah. so started and before all the greenwashing right <laughs> yeah yeah there was a little bit at that point but not not nearly as much as there is now um and yeah and so started consulting in that space and as I grew my own business and got to you know decide what that looked like for me without representing you know a whole a whole other company just representing me I started to write and I started to speak and I found that the things that I really wanted to talk about were the things that I had previously cared about outside of work that I didn't really get to integrate into my into my more corporate role and that's uh, racial justice and gender justice and so those are things that you know I had um, spent time on in my personal life, but not really in my professional life. So it was really a pleasure to be able to integrate them. Pleasure is not even the right word. It felt like, like the thing I was supposed to do, you know, and you find the thing you're supposed to do. And so it was yeah. very nice to take, um, be able to use my experience and my platform to work on the things that were most important to me and to do that in a space where I had some a voice and influence so really focused in on um, writing and speaking about race and gender in financial services and I've done a lot of speaking and writing about that and which takes me up to uh today which is we've um I co-founded and launched a company called choir which we can get into uh, and we launched in January of this year with the mission of raising up the voices of people of color, of women, and non-binary financial professionals on conference stages and in the media. Very interesting. So, I mean, I come from the, the traditional financial world and and you know, in the early parts of my career, I was attending the traditional conferences, you know, the FMA. Actually, my first job on Wall Street at Salmon Brothers, I found it or it found me. I had come to the FMA conference in San Francisco. I interviewed with Salmon Brothers and I got a, a job before finishing my PhD, actually. And, and that's how I started. I can't imagine how these conferences look today. Do, do the traditional financial conferences in the US, and of course I haven't been to one in a very long time, do they look the same? Do, do they have the same problems? And do you see the same similar problems at FinTech conferences too? Yeah, it really, it varies a lot from conference to conference. It is generally speaking a um there is a, a large problem that the majority of voices and visibility are for white men uh that is a a generalization a pattern throughout the industry it's the reason yeah. one of the reasons that we started choir but it's not that is not every conference. Some conferences have been very intentional about including, often about including women, less often about including people of color. Mm -hmm. um, although there is some, we see some intention there now. And so um, it really does vary from event to event, but it 
is still very common to see lineups that are overwhelmingly um, made up of white men and having all white men panels and having a, what is another common thing we see is that when women of color are included in the lineup, they're often pigeonholed to speak about diversity, diversity. equity, and inclusion, which is an important topic. And also not the only thing that women of color can speak about. And often they're pigeonholed there, even when they are presidents, CEOs, like it doesn't matter what their area of expertise is. People will stick them in the DEI area and ask what it's like, you know, so they can talk about what it's like to be, you know, a woman or what it's like to be a person of color what it's like to be a, a woman of color in an industry that is not particularly supportive. So, so tell us about choir and how you go about this problem, because I imagine you're not just, uh, you know, creating a database of uh, women uh, that should be speaking and, 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 you know, giving it out to be searched and so on. I, I assume there's, there's more to that. Yeah, we do. There's three things that we do actually all contribute to um, erasing the excuses for the, the you know, the problems <laughs> that we see. Yes. And they all work together, but they are three separate things. And just to be clear right now, we are focused on financial conferences in the U.S., and we also work with, um, and we also work with media and journalists, typically in the U.S. But that is not necessarily doesn't have to be so location specific yeah. usually. So, um, and uh, you'll often hear me compare statistics of you know how well conference represented X group compared to the US population, because that is what we, that is our benchmark that we are measuring against, right? We want the stages to look like the world around us. And we know we have a long way to go, but that's that's the goal. So the three pieces are, we have com uh, conference certification and consulting for conference organizers. So there we, um, we, what we most like to do is work with a conference from the very beginning when they're first starting their planning their agenda, whether that's, you know, a conference organizer or an agenda committee, when they're first starting to think about the agenda and the visibility of, you know, who, who will be speaking, who are the keynotes, what are the topics, and we come in, we have a lot of tools and resources to help the conference organizer or committee think about um, including people of color, including women in in ways that they may not have considered before. Because often, you know, in press for time, people just rely on their own networks. And so if a conference agenda committee is mostly white men, the, their networks, our networks tend to be pretty homogenous, right? So right. um yeah, so the people who will be asked to speak also pretty homogenous. So we have a lot of tools for that. We have tools for engaging sponsors in the work and all, all with the goal of including more people of color, including more women, including more non-binary financial professionals and experts. 
uh, on stage and giving them high visibility roles, not just putting one woman as a moderator on a panel um, of four expert men. <laughs> That's not what we're looking for here. We're looking for high visibility for our expertise. So there's that. We come, we give all these tools and resources and hands-on guidance. And then after the conference, we run the conference agenda through our uh, scoring algorithm, which looks at who is speaking and how visible each speaking role was. And what, and that puts out a score between one and a hundred that indicates essentially how well a conference represented the voices of people of color, women, and specifically women of color in comparison to their representation in the US population. So gold standard, of course, is you know a conference that looks like the world around us, but we know that that is, that is very, very challenging for financial services. So the bar for certification is lower than the gold standard, but we have tiers. So we actually do have a gold level certification for conferences that, that look like that. What, and what is the scale, just so, so we get an understanding? Yeah, yep. The scale is one to 100 and conferences that score 60 or above uh, are eligible for certification. And um, and then silver level starts at 75 and gold level starts at 95. And so 95 is basically the percentage matching to representation of women and, and people okay. of color. Okay. And so, so six, for a 60, could you give examples or, or this is not really? Yeah, yeah. For us yeah. to, to get certified, so 60 or above, usually a conference has put effort here. This is not something that they just happen to have a conference that happened to score well, unless it's a conference that is run by or for women, by or for people of color. Um, for a typical financial services conference to get certified, they will have had to, uh, they have been thinking about the voices that they include. They've been making efforts in the past, you know, year or two usually, or they're working with us and have made a big turnaround with intention to include those voices. Um, so uh, it, it is not an easy, it's reaching certification level isn't something that just happens it requires requires intention okay since um, since, you, since you are new have you already awarded some certifications or, or... Yep, yep we have uh because we offer uh we offer certification as a standalone product too so we're able to look backwards at prior events mm -hmm. and so yes we have certified a number of events already and are working on a couple of events now where we're we're working on their second certification uh, hopefully you know there so, uh... can i go onto your website and see who has been certified and use that as one of the filters you can choose of choosing um you know uh, events yes you can you uh you can see them they're on our homepage they're at the bottom of the homepage we have two lists mm -hmm. one is conferences where their most recent event certified yeah uh, we can't, we don't know that their future event will certify, but it's a pretty good indicator, right? That they're sure. thinking about it. And then we have another list of conferences that we're working with right now. So conferences we are um, helping and hoping they reach certification once um, they've- uh, In this process, are you 
you're obviously um, uh, empowering people, uh, women and people of color and, and uh, are you tracking the profiles of people that are empowered through this process? So for example, let's say, you know, I um, was less visible and because of Quiet's uh, uh, help over the next two years, I become much more visible. Is that something that you're tracking? Um, not that metric. It'd be that would be lovely data to get. We don't have that that level of detail okay. right now, but we do have some. Um, I mean, we have that anecdotally, right? So right. the the second piece of the business is what's called the Voices Platform. And so if you can, you can follow the, you know, mm -hmm. of course, with a business called Choir, we we have that name because we think yeah. that just like a choir. It right. is a choir sounds best when there's a variety of voices, right? Correct. Uh, not just one, uh, not just one note. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so the voices platform is a place where um, financial professionals who are women or who are um, people of color can um, create a profile that showcases their subject matter expertise. And it's much, and this is, it's on our website. Um, which is hellochoir.com and it's under the voices tab and uh it's a take it's a questionnaire that takes about 10 minutes it's pretty in-depth about expertise because that is what conference organizers and journalists are looking for a lot of the databases that exist where they're like here here's you know 20 women speakers or whatever whatever yeah. they are Often they just say the name, the title, the company, but conference organizers and journalists are usually looking by topic or, you know, yeah. who can speak about this specific yeah. thing. So we have a pretty in-depth um, sort of expertise profile builder that helps um, that facilitation process so that people can be found based on their subject matter expertise. We have hundreds of people on the platform already. We have conference organizers and journalists using it already. And so uh, folks build their profile there and then conference organizers and journalists and also like corporate content or organ, um, like, uh, like for example, the CFP board, for example, could, if they wanted to access it to find folks that might write white papers who are, you know, site, certified financial planners yeah. who might help them with, you know, whatever content they're producing. Anyways, they search the platform based on, um, and they can search based on topic. They can search based on, like I said, based on designation, they can search if they're really looking for a very specific perspective. For example, they want to find the perspective of say a Korean woman uh, or likely Korean American woman. They can put that specific thing into the into the search and and then search by topic and see what they find and only see the profiles of in this case korean women yeah so um yeah so it's a two it's a two-way uh street uh where uh so so that those folks can find uh subject matter experts who are from typically underrepresented backgrounds typically mm -hmm. in finance and so 
we have that. We also, for conferences that we're working with, we also will do some, you know, specific tailored introductions if needed, but the voices platform is really meant to work at scale so that we're, you know, we're not just introducing people from, you know, my personal network, but we can, um, conferences can look at lots and lots of people that they may not have met before and they can sort of meet them by using the platform. So this is a, a really a discovery tool um, a, an intelligent discovery tool, thinking of how, as you said, um, conference organizers or media think around yes. thematics and 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 um, and so on. In yep. in your ecosystem, um, who would you consider as your um, do you want um, stakeholders or allies? I mean, I understand obviously that the event organizers, media people, can we, are fintechs that are, you know, in uh, serving or wanting to serve uh, different affinity groups uh, and so on, are they involved in your ecosystem leveraging uh, choir or or working with you or not yet yeah well when we say finance we include fintech in that and often on i'll specifically say finance and fintech but i yeah. think of fintech as part of the broader financial services ecosystem and this is built for all of finance so absolutely included and so fintech experts or um, you know fintech professionals who have subject matter expertise who would like to be on the voices platform, we welcome them and encourage them to join. We want to know about your subject matter expertise. Yeah. And I would know that for often I've seen a pattern that for women, we offer often don't consider ourselves experts. I've had this conversation with people a, a number of times, uh, you know, where I will ask people if they want to, you know, be on the platform. And they're like, well, I don't know if it's for me. I'm not really an expert. I'm like, you have been working in financial services for 15 years. How are you? I know that you have subject matter expertise in the specific areas that you work in every day. And that is what conference organizers and journalists are usually looking for. They're not looking for somebody who knows everything about every single topic in finance, right? They want it. They want very specific subject matter expertise. And once you've been working in the field, even for, you know, just a handful of years, you usually have some very, some very specific. Especially in fintech that is relatively new, especially some areas, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, you can be working uh, in, uh, I don't know, digitizing mortgages or or some area like that that is not low-hanging fruit for three years or five and, and yeah. for sure you have a lot of expertise even in payments payments are complicated yep. you know and and if you're in if you're working with a company that's innovating you you understand a lot of things that you know you, you not everybody knows right Right, right. Um, and and most people don't know. Even your peers, probably even you know, you're not you're not the person sitting next to you, but your 
you know, folks in another company or in, in different role. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, um, so we encourage folks who have that, who have subject matter expertise to join the voices platform. We do, we can work with FinTech conferences and, and then there's one other stakeholder who I haven't mentioned yet. And that is, we, we have a role for every single person who works in finance and cares about this issue. And so a lot of folks will say, well, you know, what about the, what about the white men? I'm like, yeah. um, and there is a huge role for white men. We need your allyship and not just saying you're an ally, but just st stepping up and being an active ally. Right. And so that's something that I have written about and spoken on for years. And so when we launched choir, we wanted their we wanted to make a way for active allies to be able to work, not work with us, but be our, uh, we wanted to give them the tools to champion the cause as well. And so we created what's called the choir pledge also on our website, which is hellochoir.com and it's under the pledge tab. And the pledge sets out four very uh, baseline standards for conferences um, looking to have basic representation and safety measures. These are not the gold standard, but they are they are achievable standards. We think that every single conference can meet, and so people can sign the pledge and say that I am a speaker, or I am a conference attendee, or I'm a conference sponsor and exhibitor, and I will only participate in conferences that meet these four baseline standards. And the standards are represent, uh, diversity in keynotes, if you have three or more keynotes, diversity on panels of four or more, and women of color are represented throughout the agenda, not just in DEI sessions, and a an enforced anti-harassment policy. That's it. They're like I said, they are very, very achievable. And people can go on the website and sign. And their name is public on the website. And it says, you know, I'm only going to events that meet these. And then we have a toolkit for folks who have signed so that they can, if they are asked to attend or speak at a conference, there there's an email response. There's all kinds of you know, scripts and tools so they can say, I would love to speak at your event and I am a signatory to the choir pledge. Do you meet or do you intend to meet at least That's these four true. minimum uh, requirements? If so, count me in. If not, I'm, I cannot go. Are you an activist? I mean, I know you're an activist, yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> in your heart and, and, and so on. But is choir um, an activist in the sense of are you approaching, uh, for example, trade uh, associations in around the financial industry and pitching your, you know, the pledge, uh, your tools, and 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 so on. Mm, so I would say I am an activist. Absolutely, yes. And my co-founder probably would identify as the same i don't want to speak for her but i would guess yes my is choir an activist i i would say we are uh, you know aggressively pushing for change in an industry that 
is far behind and really needs it, but that everything we do to that end, we do with people who want to engage with us. We do not, we do not push people to sign the pledge. It is a, for example, it is a tool for people who consider themselves allies and want to be active and want this tool it's a tool that is available for them to use we've made it available and easy and we want to equip people we do not want to force people to sign th things we don't no, want to not force, force but we don't but... want to force conferences that aren't interested in this to work with us we do see that you know what we are doing does apply some public pressure that's part of the pledge right is the course, public pressure um and and we see and we've seen it work actually we've seen it work not with conferences even those that we don't work with we have heard through the grapevine and seen um conferences responding to this they see those basic you know the basic measures and they're trying to at least meet those because they because we've had hundreds of signatories to the pledge they want all of those people to be able to go to their conference right of so course. yeah but when you say you're now in the us i understand in terms of the conferences but you know me being here in switzerland and getting invited to an event in london in dubai in switzerland whatever i could sign the pledge right yeah yeah you can sign the pledge sure we'd yeah. love that and ask that so yep. I think, you know, that my next uh, project is going to be to sign the pledge. And when I'm asked to, to speak at any event uh, during the World Economic Forum in Davos in January, I say, you know, if your event is like this, then I'm happy to, to, to join. In great, great. We would, we would love that. And I also think if, I mean, you, you don't need a lot of help finding speaking engagements. I know that. But if you would like to be on Voices, we would love to have your profile on the platform so that people who don't already know about you could find you based on your subject matter expertise there. Um, I mean, for me, I, I'd love to do that. More importantly, for me, I get excited when I can reach women that I don't know in my personal uh, network and, and tell them that, you know, you can do it. You can do it, really. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I, I'm happy even to mentor women in not on their uh, subject matter expertise, on how to really offer that and share it to, to the world, right? Yeah, well, I would, uh, next year when we, let me start that over. Right now, Voices, the Voices platform is in beta. And so we are, you know, bringing people on on both sides so that um, so the conference organizers and journalists can find all these folks. And next year, when we bring it out of beta to be a, you know, a more robust product, one of the things that we will be offering to people who are on the Voices platform, so to the financial professionals and experts, is a resource library. Hang on one second. My cat is trying to knock everything off the desk. Oh, okay. Okay. 
we will be we'll be offering a resource library that includes you know um we we already have a number a wide range of people from experienced speakers to people who don't want to speak just yet but are thinking about it and so um we want to offer a a toolkit and a resource library to help folks who might not have access they don't have PR training they're not getting that through their company or that maybe they're self-employed and so we want to give both media training and speaker training um, and help people at scale and so I would love to come back to you about that offer oh here she yes. is let, let's, come back let's... to you about that offer and see if there's you know if you have wisdom and expertise that you want to share with folks who are who you know the voices on our platform and have you be a part of that resource library so that you can, you know, do that mentoring and do it for a wide audience. I'd love that. And I think, you know, um, some live uh, sessions of really um, having that audience, it really makes a difference than the recorded uh, sessions. And, yes. Uh, you know, of course, in person, but uh, if it's a live session, it really makes a difference because you you can really feel the energy of the person, and it's not that there's no editing. You you, you, know, you you get into that flow, and you transmit to others your your journey. I mean, I will never forget that when I started my job at Salman Brothers. Um, in the 90s, of course, I was a minority, except the, um, the secretary on the trading desk. This is Solomon Brothers. Um, I have frozen a bit. Uh, um, and, and it's all traders, guys, uh, the guys that uh, left to, to form long-term capital. You know, you understand the the culture there and and i'm part of um the research the quantitative research group uh, supporting right my boss is a man the other guys are all guys and so on and then after three months my boss asked me to go and talk to the a company um a monthly meeting where he was supposed to present what we are doing and he like handed it to me to go. I was terrified, of course, right? <laughs> and I really was angry with him because like, and afterwards, I mean, I realized that the guy was really empowering me. He did it again and again and again. And I owe him a lot mm -hmm. for that. And I want to to give it to, to you know, other people and, and especially women. Yeah, you have that expertise, and you have to stand up there and you know um, uh, do that and learn how to to communicate uh, uh, the tech and and the and the human part too. Yeah, yeah, I had that with my first boss too. She gave me, she just gave me so much responsibility so quickly. And because she knew, I she knew I had the capacity before I understood I had the capacity. 
And she let me, you know, ask her questions. She wasn't just like throwing me in the deep end with no resources. She threw me in the deep end, but, but with some resources and including one of them was she would ask me to present at meetings on really small stuff at first, really small, easy, low risk, but I was so nervous about it. And just having a little bit of practice on a small, um, not, you know, not a huge topic, not a huge lift, but being, knowing that I could get up there and speak in front of everybody and not perish on the spot is really good. Um, is really good for me, for my experience and just to know. Yeah. 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 So dear Sonia, what books are you reading these days? Oh, if you're reading any or are you a visual person i read um let's see i read a lot mostly read fiction i have enough of um Perfect. i have enough non-fiction in my real life <laughs> i'm right now i am rereading 17 syllables which is an old which is not that old um um uh, it's a collection of short stories um okay. I think most of them are written in the actually written in the 50s and uh it is I, re I read it in college I was an English major and and it's one of the ones that I still have like the sticker from my university on the on the binding and I pulled it off the shelf the other day and I thought oh let me let me read this and even though the stories are oh, gosh you know, close to 70 years old, they, a lot of the themes are, there are actually themes about women and, um, and also uh, people of color written by a Japanese author in the United States and the, and the treatment of, of folks. And it's sort of disturbing how um, resonant the stories are still we'd like to think those things are in our past but they they could have been written most of them could have been written today uh which is frustrating but frustrating. the writing is the writing is beautiful and the stories are just short and wonderful so that's what I'm reading right now um also I read a little of everything poetry historical fiction all of it what are you reading I love books. now that you said Japanese author I'm thinking, you know, both summer readings, uh, those are the times where I can read the book in, you know, in a really short time because I'm really focused on the book, were, were both uh, Japanese authors. Um, uh, the last summer I read uh, Clara and the Sun. Oh, I've heard of that, but I haven't oh, read it. Did you, you enjoy have it? To read that one. Uh, amazing. I mean, it's a bit futuristic. Uh, with with life with robots, but uh, it's just uh, a wonderful uh, book. And and this summer I read a book that I don't remember the title right now, but the story was remarkable. It's about these Japanese women that were divers. Um, this is uh, the Second World War and. Uh, they, they, it's a community where basically women dive deep, dive with no oxygen, 
um, uh, or anything. And they bring the food, they take care of everything. And, and uh, men sit at home and cook and take care of the children. Um, and, and it's about this powerful community and how they, they lived through Second World War. Um, and um, very emotional stories. I don't know. I mean, you made me realize that I like Japanese authors. I'm a big <laughs> fan of uh, um, of uh, Hurakami, and I've read all his his books. Yeah. are quite uh, you know weird. They're not uh, the mainstream. Yeah, and some of his they like wow, those ones they will stick with you and like they will haunt, stick with haunt you forever when you read them. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so I think it's very important to read fiction books and completely, you know, unrelated to whatever you're doing. To yeah, I agree. Uh, it's really a nice to. Uh, it's just a good escape. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Diversity in in you know um, the worlds that you dive in, right? The the the, the your business world, your social life, and then, you know, you go into these, uh, I guess it's our metaverse, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. And somebody who, where did I hear this the other day? I can't remember, but somebody was saying that often fiction, fiction versus nonfiction is described, at least with children, like in school, fiction is fake and nonfiction is real. Yeah. And like, I mean, we know now, like history is written by the victors, right? Like not exactly. not necessarily real or facts, but you know, it is an interpretation of it. And fiction is often so uh, tell you gets at real truths in a in a way that um, nonfiction cannot sometimes. And so this person had rephrased to say that nonfiction is learning through facts and fiction is learning through imagination something like that where they're just two different types of learning uh, well for me learning is 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 a bit like it's not science but it is along those lines you you it's like some analytical um you know framework or uh, description it's it's really like a blueprint or something like that it's it's more analysis mm -hmm. and and the other is not analysis it's actually it draws you in it's much more immersive yeah uh, yes you know it can be about war about love about social issues and so on and it's an immersive experience. Nonfiction is not an immersive experience. It's an right. analysis of whatever, right? right. The, the theme, um, the theme is uh, definitely. Sonia, it was great uh, discussing these topics with you. I will share yeah. with our audience all your uh, links, and uh, I great. look forward to to being part of this activism uh, of yours <laughs> oh thank you it was really a pleasure to chat this morning we'll have to have another chat just about books and fiction i could have a i could go on about that for another hour <laughs> all right thank well you. take care and um i'll talk to you soon
Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore tech news. On Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News. On LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news. On Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE. And on TikTok, tiktok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News.